0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello, and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by Six Music presenter and broadcaster Matt Everett, who will be chatting to us about all things Glastonbury. I'm going to do that again because I just said Glastonbury. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by Six Music presenter and broadcaster Matt Everett, who will be chatting to us about all things Glastonbury, uh, and in particular, the upcoming 50th anniversary. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, how are you and whereabouts are you joining us from?
1: I am, as I speak to you, I'm, in, I'm at home. I'm in Surrey. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can't help myself making that joke every time I say it. And yeah, it's quite a nice, sunny, pleasant evening. And yeah, we're sort of like, we're, we're entering Glastonbury time. This is, this is when I, I've spent a bit of today... Starting to get the interview bids together and get ready for what we're going to be doing uh, on Six Music and the BBC at the site. So it's gone from being like a sort of a sort of conceptual thing to being like, yeah, we're all it's going. It's actually going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, uh, here we go again. <laughs> in like a brilliant and all like terrifying. Way. It's like looking at a really scary roller coaster that you know you're going to really enjoy, <laughs> yeah. but the lead up to it, you're like, why am I doing this again? Why am I doing this again? This is going to be like the most physically and psychologically demanding thing, but it's just the best. It is the yeah. best, Glaston. I do love it. I mean,
0: how does it feel going back? You know, it's that kind of double, double whammy of being the first one in a couple of years and being mm-hmm. fiftieth anniversary. So it's arguably the most highly anticipated Glastonbury ever. How does it? Yeah, I guess, how does it feel to be? being
1: a part, like, such a part of that i i miss it i really missed it i mean it's i mean obviously you know without putting the big bbc hat on um it's brilliant to be part of the bbc doing it because that's mm. the whole thing is it's very difficult to do stuff about a festival like last week without making other people that are n- not there go yeah well I'm, I'm not there you're having a good yeah. time oh great brilliant thanks I'm glad you're having fun. I couldn't get a ticket. But because now the BBC stuff is so broad, like, I think we have a brilliant job to do by, like, really bringing the whole festival into people's lives and people's homes, you know. And if I, when I started going in 1990, whatever it was, too, <clears throat> had someone said that you could stay at home and watch something from pretty much every stage all day, every day, I think it was the best thing in the world, you know. And they, they do the best job, don't they? The sound is brilliant. The the way it's shot is fantastic. The journalists on the ground are are great. The presenters represent the kind of widest scale from across the BBC. So that's the BBC plug. Me personally, I cannot fucking wait (laughs) because it's the most, it's of the whole of the music industry. And, you know, there's a lot to be cynical about in the music industry generally, but to be coming off the back of what the whole industry has been through to something so celebratory and it's very difficult to be cynical about Glastonbury. You know whatever it is, three million a year they give to charity. Yeah. It's non-corporate sponsored. It's Water Greenpeace, uh and third one's just Oxfam. Is they, they they give so much back. It's the very best of us, I think, Glastonbury. The atmosphere and the spirit and the way people look after each other. It is yeah. It's is it the only thing I'm not cynical about in the whole of the music industry? It might be <laughs> after all this time. It's The only thing I still believe in as being pure and good and true. <laughs> Everything else I'm like ah <laughs> <laughs> the motive here. Uh,
0: I think I think you know pretty much everyone would concur with that who's been I think you know I think that's generally it it's it's strange isn't it? It's ha- it's a, it's an enormous arguably the most famous and iconic festival in the world, but it does seem to have retained that sense of magic and mm-hmm. niceness. Do you know what I mean? There is that that kind of fit. Like you said, the, you know, it's, it's the best of us. It does feel like it's everything that you kind of want out of a festival still. Of course, you know, there, there are now more commercial concerns than there may have been 30 years ago with it, you know, and they have the big A-list, huge pop stars, mega stars performing on the Pyramid stage, but it it doesn't feel... To me, at least, like it's lost any of the spirit that makes it unique. It doesn't feel like it's become just another festival. I mean, would would you concur with that? Is that something that you've noticed yeah. down the years that it's kind of retained that?
1: It still feels the same, really. I mean, when I started going, there was some pretty, pretty uh, lawless corners of the festival. Uh, but you never felt unsafe. And this was like, as they say, in the late 90s, uh, late 80s. Was it eighty nine? I went or ninety one? I can't remember one of those. But it 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 still feels it still feels the same. I think because part of it is the details, like the same person does all the signage that's always done the signage. You know, they still hand paint all the litter bins, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds hundreds of litter bins. Um, Everybody really looks after each environment that you're in. You know, like. It's only a few years ago that I remember going, maybe more than a few years ago, and speaking to the people about the different areas, about every different area, be it like the greenfields or like the other stage of jungle. Everyone in that team really makes an effort for it to feel special within their environment, you know, <coughs> but also fit into the wider ecosystem. So it's not like it's all interconnected. It's a bit of an organism like that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and they, and they work hard. That's the other thing. It's not, you know, when they opened up Arcadia and, and all those kind of what used to be Las Vegas, that whole new Stranger After Dark Area, they work really hard. There's no like, maybe not so much now, but there was, there was a tendency when boutique festivals start to kind of get more, more popular off the back of festival and stuff. People thought, oh, we can just drape some flowers around a, a pole and put a couple of flags up and it'll fill boutique. Yeah. And it didn't work. Whereas Glastonbury, like, yeah, we are gonna make these enormous sculptures, and we're gonna invest in these sound systems. And we're gonna put all this love into it, and we're gonna get amazing speakers to do stuff in the spoken word. We're like with every element, they really try and they really work hard for it. So that's part of it is 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 the environment, but it's the bands as well, isn't it? If you if you you know if you're a, if you're a band and you play Glastonbury and you have played it before, you know how special it can be. So you walk on stage carrying that with you. So your performance is is going to be different to many other performances you give because you know what it can be. If you walk on stage of be and you've never been there before as an artist, you walk out and it it hits you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And even if you're like Dolly Parton or Lionel Richie, or like you're a brand new scruffy band, you know, who've only played a few club states and you're on the emerging talent stage, that'll hit you in the same way. And it changes that performance, and it's it can floor you, and that brings something out of you that you're not going to get at another event. So yeah. that's why it's, that's why every performance feels special because it's it means something, you know. Yeah, absolutely,
0: and you're you're right. I think from whatever level an artist is at to to to, to kind of step out on that stage, it's it does you do feel like they are going to bring something more to it. It's going to produce something different that you wouldn't get at any other show. Um, I mean, looking, looking specifically at this year, what, I mean, first of all, what, what will your Glastonbury look like this year? What, what will you be doing from a, you know, from a BBC perspective? How does, (laughs) how does your role fit within the festival? And then what
1: are you looking forward to the most? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Well, in previous years, we did a lot of stuff very early in the morning. There'll be a lot of getting on site at five. Wow! Trying to find the tea stall, watching often my friends going to bed with their faces on sideways as I was arriving at five in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's going to be any like five a.m. starts. But yeah, I'll 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 get down on site early, and then it's I'll spend the day watching music, interviewing bands trying to find interesting people to talk to, which is not difficult at glass to bring and getting a sense of what's happening that day. And that can be interviewing like people in the healing field. It can be meeting someone from, uh, Carmageddon or, or whoever. And then taking all those interviews and me and the production team, producer, we'll go back and we'll start to fashion those into a show that tries to capture a little bit of what's going on. And then each day there's, six music shows happening all day, but for me, each show is between about seven and nine and we'll go and we'll play some of those clips. We'll get live guests in. So, you know, like just this morning we were seeing if we can time Robert plant to get in the studio to do the interview at the time, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we'll broadcast and we'll, and we'll do a load of live music. That's that's either happening at that moment or stuff that's, that's been going out during the day. And we'll just pack the show with like, how are we putting it? You know, today at Wimbledon. Yeah. Mm. That's what my show is supposed to be. It's like okay. it's gonna encapsulate what's been happening at Glastonbury that day and what's gonna be happening in the evening. And then mm-hmm. show finishes and I just run out and go and see what's what's going on, you know. Yeah. Let's have a look at the lineup. Who am I especially looking forward to? Let's have a look, shall we? I mean Herbie Hancock's playing, which is gonna be amazing yes. because it's Herbie Hancock, man. Like, talk about oh, one of the most Astonishing musicians yeah. Ever to Put finger to keyboard Let's have a look uh, I'm really interested About seeing Billie Eilish I saw her when she played The last Astonbury In person She did the other stage at About four in the afternoon I remember thinking Oh you know I've heard her stuff yeah. You know She's obviously great She's a massive star On the Ascendant I'll go and have a look And look at it And just going Oh shit yeah. She's amazing having that like revelatory moment of watching someone with that presence, that thing happening around them. So I think that's going to be really exciting. because so I think when she walks out, even her, she will not have experienced anything like that. Flags, the streamers, that that's going to be pretty, pretty mad. Um, let's have a, who else have we got? Little Sims would be great. TLC, get in. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm obviously excited to see Paul McCartney because yep. it's Paul McCartney. Of course. Any, any any point a Beatle is there, let alone performing, let alone singing Beatles songs, mm. um, that's going to be. There's everyone's going to be crying their eyes out by the end of that. Yeah. It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else? And Kendrick. I mean, obviously, anything that, that Kendrick does is is always. Going to be different and surprising. And I think given it, giving him a canvas like they did, you know, um, with Kanye, it's like, right, well, you don't know what's going to happen. You've got no idea. And I think that's going to be pretty exciting. It's got a new record behind him.
0: Were you there for that Kanye uh, performance? I was, yeah. What did you do? I of didn't it? like it.
1: No. I didn't like it. I didn't like it because he didn't, I like how it looked. He didn't connect to the audience enough. That was my problem. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't, and I think he missed out. I don't think it was a bad performance. It was a great performance. I thought he did a great job. Um, but I wanted him to reach out a bit more. I know he went out into a cherry picker, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I, I sort of wanted to feel a bit more connected to him. Yeah. Um. So it was. It was good to watch. But I. But it. It felt like it's like when you two played. You were like. You're playing like this is the like the best U two set ever, mm. but I don't know what's qu- not quite happened there. Yeah. Maybe they missed the connection. I mean, again, I'm being sort of critical of Glastonbury, You know, like but that was was it the year before that was Beyonce, wasn't it? I believe. Which yeah, was, I think it was, yeah. Like one of the most incredible performances I think anyone's ever done ever. Yeah. Oh, now she's on a piano. Okay. Oh, this is the first five minutes which he's played like four of the biggest songs in pop history. That was phenomenal. Who else have we got? Uh, I mean, all of it. It's the other thing, isn't it? Suzanne Vega. That's cool. Um, uh, Sugar Babes. Brilliant. Um, It's also not knowing what you're going to go and see, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not knowing at all. Like, Arcadia Cabin House Is playing like a one hour set At one in the morning Cabin House could headline Biggest festivals in the world But he's just doing an hour It has to be on that slot That says a lot Doesn't it Yeah I mean, That says a lot About the kind of people Yeah That they yeah. attract uh, Nina Kravis as well That's going to be amazing All of All of it All of it And all the things That I don't think I'll see That I miss That it doesn't matter When I go and see something else You know having plans and then following some of them and just tearing the rest of it up high at the Stonebridge bar. That's a really good new album. Baby we're ascending. That's a really strong record. Um, she's going to fly. So it'd be good to see her there. Oh my God. Yeah. There's just, just piles of it, isn't there? Yeah. There piles is
0: just way just... too much, isn't there to, uh, to, to try and even make a dent in really with who you
1: want to see when
0: you're there. But, yeah. Yeah. But i like,
1: I'm always, There's big stuff that I'll make a a beeline to see and then there's stuff you just wander past the stage and go, oh, okay, what's this thing that's happening here? And you just kind of bump into it. I I do sound a little bit like religious fervour about it, don't I?
0: (laughs) No, I think a lot of people will be kind of feeling similarly excited about this one. I think everyone does every year anyway, but I think particularly this one, I think it's exactly what... You know, the past, you know, whatever it is, maybe less than 12 months, it's felt like the music industry has been starting to kind of return to some semblance of its former self of gigs taking place. Yeah. And I think this almost feels like the culmination of that. It's, it's, you know, it's Glastonbury, it's the 50th anniversary, it's back to, you know, it'll be, you know, no restrictions there. It's going to be absolutely kind of where it needs to be. And I think, you know, it'd be weird not to be excited about this one, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, people, it's when they did the sort of virtual Glastonbury, you know, they didn't have to do that, yeah. That it was a considerable undertaking, you know, logistically and financially and just kind of emotionally to kind of do all that and give something to people, that kind of gift. And that's quite rare for yeah. a big music event to do something that altruistic, I guess. Yeah. And that's special. Uh, you
0: know.
1: No, um, totally. God, I'm just looking, there's so much I want to go and see. <laughs> Self-esteem will be amazing. Yeah, Courtney yeah. Barnett would be great. Oh, yeah.
0: Have, it's going to be phenomenal. Who have been some of your... I know it's kind of a almost impossible question to answer, I guess, but, but who have been some of the real standouts for you through the years that have provided really special moments or really memorable moments for you. It doesn't even necessarily have to be music related. You know, there's so much that goes on around the festival that's, uh, you know, not even connected to the music stages, but you know, what, when you reflect back on, on the years that you've been going to Glastonbury really stand out some of the special moments and a few
1: special performances. I I was at Radiohead and the 97, wasn't it? Yes. Famous world's greatest show. And it was really, really special. It was really special. Um, I did the 95, the great year of Britpop, the Pulp year, when I played um, in the band I was in. We we played on that, but we camped next to Pulp. Uh, After they found out, we were like next to Jarvis and everybody as they discovered that, um, that they would be headlining. And that was incredible talk about the kind of unity. It's funny, you watch the, the footage of them and Radiohead and the production was really basic. I mean, there was lights and stuff, but there was no like, there was screens, but there was no sort of like massive fucking, you know, laser shit that they have these days. And it was still, it, it, it was still incredible. Mm. The Pulp set felt, felt like a real vindication of everything that they'd done.
0: Yeah.
1: And and they knew how much it, it meant. And if you go and listen to that, it's kind of an interesting cliche, but you can go and listen to that performance of of common people and even just listen to the audio mm. it's everybody lost their minds. Yeah. That was pretty special.
0: I, I mean, uh, just before you, you continue on that, tell us a little bit about, you know, performing it with, with menswear. How was that? What, what, what was that like? I
1: did. I, I played with menswear and I played it twice for the bank of Montrose Avenue a couple of years after I was in. Um, it's really difficult because it, it in my memory, it, it was such a hot weekend it felt like like it was, it was the 90s. Well, the 90s is the 60s now, isn't it, really? Yeah. People look at the 90s <laughs> like they used to look at the 60s. True. And it felt like it was our summer of love, man. <laughs> so like, I remember just getting out of the tour bus, and it was just the most incredible sunny weather, and everybody was just incredibly happy and gracious to be there. And it felt like it was a, really, it was a set that was really representative of what, of what was going on mm. at the time. And I remember meeting Robbie Williams in the hospitality bar oh. and getting quite smashed with him. He yeah. was really nice at the time. And watching Pulper just being blown away, just being absolutely Yeah, the performance just sometimes they just these performances they just lift. Yeah. It just yeah. like what was the year, What was the prodigy year as well when he came out in the hamster ball?
0: Oh yeah, I can't remember what year that was. It, it,
1: it, it, it's like someone's detached the hot air balloon as a terrible but it just it becomes it's so perfect those performances when everyone is just so together um, that was really special I thought Beyonce was just floored me Coldplay are always brilliant I know it's very easy to, to sort of bash Coldplay in the way that everyone used to bash you too, because when you're the biggest band in the world it's very easy to bash isn't it? Um, But they're always phenomenal at Glastonbury. They're always so good. Um, Should I tell you my Prince Glastonbury story? This is good. Have you heard this? Yeah, please do. So I did an interview with Prince. One of the last interviews he did in the UK before he died. The whole story attached to it. Anyway, before I did the interview, I got a phone call from Glastonbury people going, we hear you're going to speak to him. Yeah. It's really, we'd love him to play. Now we've been speaking to him for years, but he's surrounded by lots of different management. I think he quite likes having different management, doing different things because they sort of compete with each other a little bit. And it, it keep he, it's a good way of keeping control of the things for him. So if you see him, tell him about Glastonbury, tell him we'd love him to do it, reiterate any information that he's had about it. Force it at home if you could. And I was like, oh, more, could you do this? Of course I can do this. Do anyway, do this interview with Prince, which is fucking insane. And uh, with oh, this interview, we're just talking away. I'm like, Oh, are you, are you gonna do Glastonbury? He's like, What's Glastonbury? I'm going, Oh, you don't know what Glastonbury is. It's the best festival in the world, never heard of it. So, oh, everyone's done it you know, your Springsteens, your Coldplays, your U2s. I says, No brands there. You know, it's not like a lot of those American festivals. It's not Labatt's or whatever. And he was like, okay, so that's cool. I said, it's on a farm. Said, it's on a farm. it's on a farm, Prince. Wow. It's like sheep and things. Well, it's cows mainly, Prince, but you should do it. So they don't pay very much, but it doesn't matter because the, the audiences are so up for music. It, and I said, it sells out before they've announced the lineup. And he was like, wow. Well, I said, yeah, every year. That's how much people want to be there. That's how much they're music fans. Great. Okay, And anyway, I think well, I've done my bit now. I've sold it into Prince, because I'd love to see Prince of Glastonbury. And a few weeks later, I get a call from the Glastonbury team going, thank you very much for uh, speaking to Prince of Glastonbury. We got a phone call from his people. Um, I don't know how much it was down to you, but we got a phone call from his people, and they said, Prince will play Glastonbury. And they said, that's amazing. This is a dream for us. They said, yeah, he'll play in May on the 12th. <laughs> Amazing. No, it doesn't work like that. He'll do it, but he'll do it. He'll do it in May. And they had All to sort right. of explain that even Prince doesn't move Glastonbury. No. But yeah, they were gutted. But isn't that like oh, the most Prince number. thing ever? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you I'll can it. move it for me. He'll do it, he'll do it in May. <laughs> That's uh, unbelievable. Prince, prince never did it, which is a real shame. But um Yeah. I mean, imagine I what
0: know. that would have been like, a, a Prince... You know, Saturday night headline yeah, yeah. style would have been incredible,
1: wouldn't it? Phenomenal. Those last shows you did in the UK were just were just the best. Um, yeah. Who do you want to see that hasn't played? I mean, you see, we, we're kind of sort of older heritage now, I guess. Yeah. Who would you want I, to I was seen? just
0: about to ask you that same question. So who, who would have been... Can we, is this alive or dead? Can we have either...
1: Oh, you can have some dead people. I mean, like we're not going like Beatles. Like, no. In our lifetime, in our, that was yeah, function yeah. that we could okay.
0: have. Well, I don't. Well, I, I don't. It, this is to my not. I don't. I don't believe they did it. But if they did, then I, I I'll retract it. But Talking Heads.
1: Oh, nice
0: been, call. You know the Very... the Stop Making Sense tour at Glastonbury yeah. would have been outrageously good. Yeah. That would have
1: been brilliant. Nirvana. Are they a Glastonbury band? I guess they are a Glastonbury band. Yeah. I was thinking about more as a Reading band. Is
0: that when the Foo Fighters yeah, played?
1: Yeah, you're right. That's when the played, Foo's are great. Foo's are brilliant at Glastonbury. Don't get me wrong. But at Reading, it's a different thing. Yeah.
0: But yeah. very ch- Okay. Well, we've got Talking Heads. Okay. I'm going to be racking my brains now trying to figure out who's not done it that would have been brilliant. Yeah, I'm, be. Who I'm, do you have? gone? while I'm thinking of some more. Blue Mac, yes. Oh, the obvious Mac one, really. In some ways, would have for... been would have been
1: really, really good. I don't know why it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Couldn't say. <laughs> um, that's a shame. Uh it's kind of a it's it's a it's a pity because a lot of those really really big, like Elton John, would be amazing. Clearly, I don't quite know why Elton hasn't done it yet. Maybe he's next year. The mm. next year it makes sense. If he's it, finished his it touring work. thing, yeah. it'll work. Elton would be good. Kate Bush. Um, oh, fuck it. Go, um, Grace Jones. Grace Jones on the Park Stage. Wow. I'd like to see that. Or, um, I was going to say ACDC and Shaka Khan, not together. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kate Bush would have been great. Pink Floyd. Yes. Lord Floyd yeah, on the Sunday at Glastonbury um, would have been phenomenal just to really finish everyone off mentally. Roger of Waters could still do that, though. Yeah. Or David Gilm. Sure. No, David Gilmore should do it. David Gilmore should do it. Go on, David. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kate Bush, Shaka Khan, uh, Pink Floyd, Grace Jones. Talking Heads. Um Crocking heads. I'll go see that. Fleetwood Mac.
0: Yeah. could, could Work I, them into the bill. Maybe yeah. Chuck Nirvana in there as well. I'd, then I'd go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Michael Leavitt was always, he wanted, um, he wanted, uh, BGs and ABBA, didn't he? I think those are the two ones that he always said that he wanted. And he got a BG. Yeah. You know. He did, yeah. Well, I mean, there's some good that was ones an there, from, there. That was, that was, that was that when Barry Gibb walked out on stage, I, that, that's what we were talking about when he went out and I don't think he was expecting the reception that he got. Yeah. Cause he's done a million gigs. He doesn't really know what Glastonbury is, Yeah, you know, really till he walked up and then he's, I think he, it was quite sheepishly introduced Saturday Night Fever. Cause obviously in his mind, it's maybe couched in some sort of cliches and imagery that's, but then he started playing. and he was like, No, we just fucking love you. Yeah, we just, yeah. there is no irony here. We just love this. And you could see him get quite emotional about yeah. that thing. And I, um, which is like, yeah, there, there, there's no side here. You might think maybe this is oddly, weirdly, a little bit cruise ship to do those songs, but we don't. We just love the fact you're playing. Yeah. And I did, um, when Lionel Richie performed, which was another one. He walked out and was like, fucking hell. I got on the Monday, I was back in the studio and I got a phone call from his people, Lionel Richie's people going, and I like, normally to, to arrange an interview with Lionel Richie takes a while. You know, it does, you know, just call him up. There's PR's management. It's all a big thing. And eventually after a few weeks, your interview happens. And it was his management going, uh, Lionel would really like to talk about Glastonbury like now he just really liked to do an interview about it because he had such a good time I was like yeah okay like like now can you can you he's going to call you now and talk about it this was the Monday after Glastonbury last week and he just just wanted to talk about how he had the best time and how it was like probably the best show that he'd ever done wow. and I know from speaking to other people that were working on that event he um he got off stage and, and, and didn't want to leave. And I think he, he he like went out, went to some little towns in the area, in the Pilton area and like went to some tea shops and like met some people, just walked up the high street. Cause he was like this whole, he was blown away by the entire experience. It, and that's Lionel Richie. He was in the fucking Commodores, man. He's done stuff. yeah. And even he was like, this is the best thing. I mean, Isn't it must, right?
0: it must be incredible for, for people, you know, for artists like that, particularly when they reach that point in their career in that age, like, you know, the same with, with, with Barry Gibb, where they, like you said, they they probably feel like they know their audience. They've probably got core audience that they would typically play to when they're on tour. And then there's other yeah. times where maybe it feels almost like a little bit kitschy or like you said, it's almost a bit, a little bit cabaret or whatever. Where they think, okay, this is where I go out. I do a few hits, get a polite round of applause and then go. And then they're just not prepared. For the love that there yeah. is in in that field yeah.
1: for that's them, it. and I think like I mean, we've talked we're talking a lot about the big he- headliners, and obviously, it's just Glastonbury's not the headliners. But when the Stones played, and normally the Stones take a couple of songs to warm up when you see them, you know, because uh, that's just the kind of band they are. But they were drilled; they took that gig really seriously, and they were really on it. And like, if a band is big and establishes the Rolling Stones. Up their game, and their game's pretty high. They up it there. You that's that's a you know they wanted that to be, yeah. Like you, if you, it's not your legacy, but if you're an artist, it's it becomes part of your story, doesn't it? Doing yeah, doing a, doing absolutely. an important last we set, and it doesn't have to be at the top of the bill. Look at Elbows one day like this sunset gig, which was how many yeah. seven years ago or something when that record had just come out and they played it as I was setting and everybody just had that communal moment. That was, that was, that's part of their, their, their tale Now that's part of the elbow, not just tra- trajectory, but it's what they mean to people. Part of that was set in stone when they played that song at the sunset at Glastonbury.
0: There's such an interesting point about the, the I mean, it, of course, if you do a great, Glastonbury set it can be a big part of your story but I think that even if you weren't there for that that elbow moment for people just watching on tv felt like an iconic moment I remember watching that on the telly um and it and it felt quite as someone who's I'm not the biggest elbow fan in the world I don't have any dislike for elbow but I was just kind of watching it as it was on and that did feel like okay that was a that felt like yeah. one of those defining moments that in 10, 20 years time, when you're watching the Glastonbury highlights and legendary performances on TV, this is going to be there. It, it had that thing yeah. that just, you can't really define. And, and yeah, similarly but, I mean, we,
1: yeah.
0: you know, sometimes it, it kind of goes the other way for artists, you know, you're talking about Kanye and you too. And I feel like that's probably true to an extent for Oasis as well. When they last, when they headlined it in whatever year that was in the mid two thousands or whatever. And it's just, just for some reason didn't quite translate. Whereas for some people it does and you get those moments and it can be a real pivotal moment in
1: a career. It's, it's amazing. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because that's the whole point of it. If you could do it, if you could recreate that atmosphere and that audience and that place and that sound and those ley lines and do it every night, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as special. It wouldn't, when I mean, i'm looking back at previous ones yeah the cure when they did 2019 mm. like they played glass to me more than anybody else i think and it just it they they loved it it just lifted they 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 were they were phenomenal um looking back delicate arcade fire that was great arctic monkeys that was an amazing set dolly parton that was in, that was bananas mm. um redhead always good r m always good um but yeah, it, it's it doesn't always work. you can't just go out and play a gig and expect it to happen if you don't get if you don't link in with everybody and that linking can happen at two in the afternoon you know at the stonebridge bar it yeah, it, yeah. It, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be a headliner because people will go and see things that they'd never normally see at Glastonbury yeah because just because why not is there anything like that that stands out for you
0: as well? You know, we've, we've spoken about some of the big pyramid stage headliners and those big legendary sets from the you know the the legends like Dolly Parton and Lionel Rich and mm. people like that. Is, is there anyone on on the flip side of that that you've seen who you were either unaware of at the time or that you hadn't seen live before, perhaps on a smaller stage, who really oh, kind of that's made so you go, oh, many. wow, so, that's, that's an artist I need to look out for or that's someone I need to follow up with? Um, I'm yeah. of so looking now
1: because there's been so many. Uh yeah, ninety-two was the first year I went. Matt, uh, oh, I, I don't I couldn't even start because there's stuff like sort of PJ Harvey that you see, and straight away you're like, that's amazing. Mm. She's pretty new, and already that's like <laughs> this is this is a staggeringly talented player. and I'm already aware that even though she's on there on the bill. And it's it's kept its eclecticism as well, you know. There's like I'm just looking at some of the older lineups, and you'd always get your like your Richard Thompsons and your sort of Bundu Boys and your Hot House Flowers and, and like not specifically those people, but a lot of those that spirit's still there. Mm. You know, you can still go and see the last big dust for was that I went to and, and worked on. You know, Hawk Quinn played. Mm. And I interviewed is it Dave? The kind of dude that set them up that's still playing mm. in them. Yeah. Uh this incredibly wizened, incredibly wise, old sort of cosmic hippie. And like, he, he still loves it. Yeah. His thing was a little bit, <laughs> he was kind of going, I mean, look at everyone. Like we were going on about being vegan and vegetarian saving the planet fucking 40 years ago. We were fucking right. We were right. And now everyone else is all about it. But he's got a point. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't know, it, it's, yeah, it's just really, Underworld are always good. It's just great. I don't, Yeah. I, I, it's kind of difficult to talk about those because I don't, I don't remember the older ones that I saw when I walked into something in the afternoon. Um, oh gosh. I don't know. I miss Jeff Buckley. Didn't see that. That was foolish. Just so many, just doing it, just being there, just being there, you know, um, and everyone is so helpful and polite. And when you deal as you might know, like when you deal with a glass of the organization, it's not like dealing with a colossal corporate entity.
0: Yeah,
1: They care, they're personal, they're affectionate and they're warm and it rolls out. You know, it's, it's the familial element of it. That's really, really special and and unique that it's not like you kind of get the feeling that the guest list is still written on yeah. the back of an envelope. It's a very, yeah. very big envelope these days. Um, <laughs> And obviously it's not, and the logistics are colossal, but it is it is like that. One of the, there's a lovely Glastonbury book. I, I did Glastonbury as my specialist subject on Mastermind.
0: I went on Celebrity wow.
1: Mastermind, silly, Mastermind, <laughs> and did Glastonbury as my chosen subject. And I remember, um so much I love it. But anyway, the year before uh, Jay-Z played, they'd had a really tough time, because I think the previous year, the weather had been rough. Let me just check this just check my year. Um, yeah, the previous year had been like Arctic's and the Killers and the Who and the weather had been tough, man. And the wind had been high, so the wind was being blown around a lot. And um, it, it was, it, it was very difficult to get around. It was still good, but it was, it was a hard year. And then all that Jay-Z bullshit came out. And I remember sort of me being on the radio kind of going like, Look, this is just, this has always been like this. They've always had different kinds of music. A, if you're so blinkered that you don't think that Jay Z belongs on the bill, don't go. Like we don't, like don't want you there. You know, and like they and they've had Dread Zone and they've had like Rapax for years. It's always been like that. It's just what it's been like. I remember seeing Emily Evis and her like and her just go, "Oh, thank you so much." It was just really good to hear people being positive. I'm like, what? Like, surely other people said, "Oh yeah," but it was it was tough. We like the festival kind of hangs in the balance, has hung in the balance a lot over the years, because it's not always been an easy battle to make it happen. And you think, surely it always happens. You've got the infrastructure and the money. And yes and no. It, you know, the battles have had with the council that, you know, something like BST is is, is a really brilliant, efficient machine, you know, and yeah. they do it. They do those in high part brilliantly. I'm not criticising. But because it's just them, the Glastonbury team is, is essentially a family you know, my this has battled to keep it going so many times over the years and had life problems with the licensees and sound pollution and neighbors. It's that's, they're taking that on their shoulders every time they do an event, no matter how enormous we think it is. I don't think it's ever easy. No. And so the fact they put so much love and work into it makes it all the more special. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, you know, it certainly looks like it's shaping up to be a really special one this year. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm, you yeah, know, no doubt it will be. Um, Matt, thanks so much for uh, for joining us for this. It's thank been you. absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, could, could gladly have carried on chatting about Glastonbury and, you know, fantasy lineups and all that for for days. But um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you.
1: Pleasure, man. Absolutely delightful. Headliner
0: Radio, supporting the creative community.